Good evening, everybody, and welcome to a back-at-its-normal-time episode of BAMS Radio. The holidays have passed, at least one of them has, but uh, now we really get to look forward to action between the white lines. I admit that uh, I have not watched a lot of Bowl Mania. I've been very focused with the holidays coming, handling some private, some personal business, etc. But you know, now it's time for the big boys to take to the field. Uh, Drew Armand is again traveling. He's not going to be joining us. There's no, I don't think there's going to be a surprise this time, but bear with us. So you do just have me, Thomas Watts, the producer, the wizard behind the curtain, suddenly not behind the curtain. And let me, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the intro, Fish. From 89 to 93, 92 national champion, William Redfish Barger. He's with us tonight. Fish, how you doing? Good, Thomas. How about you, buddy? Well, it's been a it's been a little bit of a melancholy holiday. Um, I will tell listeners, and I thank the few of you that have reached out. Um, my father unexpectedly passed away on Thursday, and uh, it made the holiday unfortunate. And it's going to be something that I'll be dealing with throughout. But you know, for those of uh, for those of you that reached out, and for those of you that just had my family, me and my family and I, and your their thoughts, we really appreciate it. It's been it's been a big help. Um, but anyway, Fish, you know, that being – that all aside, we do have a football game to have to talk about. Alabama-Cincinnati. The award ceremonies are over. The transfer portal continues to percolate. But that's, that's, that's going to go on ad infinitum, quite frankly. But you mentioned when we were just talking before the show, you know, before we started recording, you actually had a chance to watch the Cincinnati-Houston game. I admit I didn't get to watch all of that game, but – from that game that you were able to see in its entirety, what's your impression of this Cincinnati Bearcats football team? Um, I mean, to be honest with you, Thomas, it's probably a, a, a little bit, um, you know, more positive on the Cincinnati side than than I originally suspected. I mean, um, you know, they've got a very athletic uh, defensive line. Um you know they they they've got the capability with with you know just rushing three three guys to put pressure on the quarterback, and you know that they, they kind of have the 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 recipe so to speak already in place. Um, you know it's not exactly the same recipe that Texas A and M, uh, LSU, and Auburn used, but it, it's a variation of it. You know, they, they like to play a base three-man front, and then they like to sneak a linebacker up on, on one side or the other, and, and they bring pressure. Um, you know, versus Houston, um, I think they recorded seven sacks. Um, now, that's versus Houston. Um, but, but, you know, they do have a very um, athletic front. You know, they're a penetrating, get-up-the-field defense. You know they like to you know cause disarray. They're they're not a gap control defense like you know Nick Saban likes to field. Um, but you know I, I think you know a that's going to be a challenge. Um, you know based on what I saw out of their offense. You know they do have a quarterback um, that can hurt you with his with his legs or his arm. Um, you know so that's something that I think you know Pete Golding has to be aware of and you know account for. Um, you know, I'm still not going to back off of the conversation that you and I had, you know, a week ago as far as, you know, strength of schedule, um, you know, who's better on both sides of the line of scrimmage. 
but but I do think you know if, if Alabama, you know if they treat this like, um, you know the Utah game in 2008 or or the Oklahoma game in 2013, um, they're, they're going to be in trouble. But you know I think if you pull up, you know Nick Saban's record, you know once the college football, um, you know playoff started. Um, you know, he's been, you know, balls out as, as far as that's concerned, as far as having his team ready to play. But, um, you know, I, I do think that, that Cincinnati is a little bit dangerous for, for Alabama. Um, you know, I, I, and I, I'm totally bought into, you know, Nick Saban taking his team, um, you know, to, to, to the playoff spot. And it's a business trip. I like that. I like the way he approaches it. But at the same time, you know, this is a dangerous team. Um, you know, if they don't take care of business on Alabama's end, um, you know, th- this is a team that I think can, you know, stress the defense um, t- to a certain extent because they do have a true dual threat quarterback. Um, you know, he can beat you with his arms or, I mean, with his arm or his legs. Uh, and on the other side, they do have a very athletic front seven, and they do have a you – know, I don't know if, if Luke Fickle is the um, de facto defensive coordinator, but, you know, they do have a pretty good design on what they want to do. But, Thomas, I will say this, um, you know, the, the game that I watched today versus the University of Houston – um, you know, they don't have the same dudes that Nick Saban is going to put out on the field uh, Friday at 2.30 uh, Central Time uh, versus Cincinnati that Houston did. I think that's fair. I think we both agree that there's a Jimmy's and Joe's issue in many cases. Alabama just does yes. have more. But I wanted to – before I jump back and kind of kind of work on that a little bit, I wanted to shift to Alabama slightly and get, you, get your offensive line take. Uh, if fans have been having a little bit too much of the holiday eggnog, you know, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and Die Hard are my two favorite Christmas movies, so that tells you what kind of heathen I am. But uh, Agree. <laughs> <laughs> and Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Do not at me. But yeah. anyway, uh, with the – So if there's shots fired at Nak- Nakatomi Plaza, we should ignore them. <laughs> it's just a thing, man. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a festivus <laughs> for the rest of us. But, I uh, hear you. But uh, – Anyway, the coronavirus has hit Doug Marone and Bill O'Brien, and one of the adjustments Nick Saban has made is that for as long as the two coaches are under uh, quarantine protocols, they're going to teach remotely, but the on-field coach is going to be Joe Pendry. So, Fish, from an offensive line perspective, how big a deal is it that you are going to get a new voice leading that huddle during practice and potentially on game day, depending on how long it takes uh, the coaches to clear quarantine? What do you make of that little wrinkle? Well, I mean, I- I'll tell you this, Thomas. I-, I don't think this is the first time, um, you know, since Joe Pendry retired. Um, what was that, around 2010, 2011? Um, that, that, that Joe Pendry has put his fingerprint on the, the Alabama offensive line. And, and you know, th- that's something that I don't think the, the, the average Alabama fan understands is that Nick Saban employs, 
you know, Joe Pendry is the obvious guy um, because he's, you know, still living on his farm, you know, in Tuscaloosa County and, um, you know, has, has a, a, a presence, I would say, at practice. Uh, but, you know, he, he's got all kinds of guys like this um, that he employs on a, a consultative basis. Um, you know, a, a guy that, you know, dates all the way back to, you know, when I was in high school, um, you know, he, he spent time at multiple schools, but probably did his most damage um, when he was at LSU. Um, you know, Pete Jenkins, you know, there's a Sports Illustrated article out there on the internet right now that, that talks about, um, you know, Pete Jenkins, uh, you know, being a, a defensive consultant on the payroll for Nick Saban. And, you know, this, this goes beyond, um, you know, just position groups. You know, that, that's one of the things that, you know, Nick Saban did a year or two after he got the Alabama job, and I'm not going to name names, but the guy that was the head, he, he was the outgoing um, retiring head of the SEC officials. Um, you know, Nick Saban, um, you know, paid him six figures to basically evaluate the referees for every Alabama football game, um, you know, in this particular calendar year. And I, I'd be willing to bet that it went beyond just one year. Um, you know, tell me what I need to send to the SEC office, you know, to protest. So, you know, you're talking about the greatest of all time, um, you know, um, what we can break it down is as minimal as, you know, Joe Pendry and Pete Jenkins are, you know, one of the best offensive line coaches I've ever seen at the college level, at the pro level, um, you know, and Joe Pendry, um, and, you know, I think his, you know, crown pupil and a bunch of really good offensive linemen were, you know, his work with Chris Samuels, um, at the NFL level. Um, you know, Pete Jenkins' resume, same thing. I mean, you know, this guy's a, a defensive line coaching savant. You know, and then you factor in, you know, having the outgoing uh, head of the SEC officials. <clears throat> you know, Nick Saban is going to overturn and, 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 you know, turn over every rock and stone um, that he can possibly get to get an advantage, um, you know, in a football game on an individual matchup. Um you know, if you're asking me what I feel about the Cincinnati game, um, you know, I, 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 I already think, and I, I feel pretty good about saying this, um, <clears throat> I feel like the um, offensive line turnaround that we saw, and, you know, Thomas, both you and I, and, and Drew, who's not here, um, you know, was pretty critical about the, the 2021 Alabama offensive line um, throughout the course of the season. And I, I think the Joe Pendry fingerprint was put on this football team well before this week when it, you know, Nick Saban said, oh, by the way, you know, my offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, and my offensive line coach, Doug Marone, are in COVID protocol. And, you know, I, you know I'm going to drag uh, Joe Pendry out there, and he's going to coach him on the field till Doug Marone can come back out there. I think that actually took place a lot earlier um, than it actually did. But that's why all of us that are Alabama football fans, 
just need to sit back and worship at the altar of Nick Saban uh, because I think he does this a lot more than we actually realize. I have to admit, I didn't. I mean, I saw the the in, the, uh, the the tweet that put out about it. I didn't think that he did it that often, but that's that's strong stuff. And you know, going back to your Jimmy's and Joe's point and the notions here, I I see I see what you're saying in that. You know, Cincinnati is a good team. I mean, good lord, I, I I've really I've gone back and forth on this game. In terms of when I first looked at it, I was I I pulled the stats up just blind, and I just said this is like a thirty point beatdown. I mean, th- this had statistically this has annihilation written all, uh, written all over it. But you know ha- what? And it, then you start playing it, you start gaming it out. What would it take? You know, what's it going to take for Cincinnati to really make a game of all this stuff? And I think, you know, this, this is the kind of thing where you do have a coaching change that could have potentially caused problems. But with Nick Saban doing things like this, you know, the stuff that you don't hear about very often, I know that put, that will put a lot of Bama fans' minds at ease. Now, I do want to jump into another little bit about Cincinnati, and it's kind of something we spoke about last week where I couldn't get straight how the Cincinnati statistics made any sort of sense because their strength of schedule is anywhere from 80 to 100, depending on what metric you're following. It's, it's not very good is the, is the short version. And why Alabama was only favored by two touchdowns. And the short answer is, and I think – Alabama fans need to understand this. Cincinnati hasn't dropped a game in outside of Georgia in two years. Now, yes, that was a Georgia team that was not great, or it was it was great, but it was also a team that didn't have a lot of uh, the players that made that team great last year. But this is a team that's gone out consistently, even when it's been weird and one find, found ways to win. And I think that's going to hold them in good stead because, again, if you just take 1-85, to 85, Alabama versus Cincinnati, 1-85, to 85, Alabama does win by 30 or 40 points. So there's got to be something else here that hasn't been discussed. And I think that's it. You know, there is such a thing, and I think this is a little overblown, but there is such a thing as a championship culture and I think Luke Fickle deserves a ton of credit for that. Those kids are going to come in. They're going to not be intimidated by the fact that Alabama's bigger and meaner and uglier than they are, you know, the, the future NFL draft picks galore. And they're going to compete. And we'll see. I still think I'm going to give you my pick later, but I still think Alabama's got a good shot to cover. But this is a high-variance game. You, know, you mentioned I mentioned statistics last week. You know, just to hit you with a few more, or really give Bama fans a statistical comparison. In terms of defense, Cincinnati is runs a similar scheme to what we saw Ole Miss run and what we saw Arkansas run. It's a three-three-five base. They're more efficient, 
but it's against much weaker competition. So to me, and Fish, I want your take on this. Do you think as Alabama's preparing for this game and fans sort of get hyped, do you think fans should expect something very similar to what we saw in terms of game plan from Ole Miss, or do you think that Cincinnati will be able to hold up and force Alabama into bad passing situations, if there is such a thing with Bryce Young? Well, that's the that's $64,000 question, Thomas, is, you know, what's Bryce Young going to do? But, you know, I, I look at, you know, the, the Cincinnati-Georgia matchup last year. Um, and, you know, I think that might have been either the second or third game that, um, you know, JT Daniels, you know, took place in. Um, and, you know, he was, you know, him and him and uh, a healthy George Pickens were, were kind of the, the difference in that game, you know, in the bowl game last year against Georgia and Cincinnati. Um, number one, number two, um, you know, I, I think it's real interesting that, you know, Luke Fickle is still the head coach of, uh, of, of the Cincinnati Bearcats when all of these head coaching jobs came open. And, and, you know, I think you also have to factor in, you know, if you go back and you look in history, um, you know, of, of the guys that were the head coaches, uh, you know, of, of Cincinnati, um, you know, I think the first one that got that job was Tommy Tuberville. Um, you know, he, he jettisoned that job into, you know, getting the, the head coaching job at Texas Tech, if memory serves me right. Um, you know, the next guy, um, you know, was Brian Kelly. And, you know, he, he, he you know, the, the Notre Dame head coaching job. Um, you know, the, the fact that Luke Fickle is still the head coach at Cincinnati, um, you know, tells me, A, he, he feels like he's got a, a good ball club. Um, you know, you and I talked about this, you know, last time around um, that, you know, at least I feel like the, the, the guy that, um, you know, out of, of the, the last coaching hires, you know, you can talk about Lincoln Riley going to USC and, you know, Brent Venables going to Oklahoma, um, Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame and going to LSU. But I, I personally feel like, you know, Billy Napier, um, going to Florida. I mean, I, I think that's the one that you have to focus on. And um, the way that he keeps building his coaching staff, um, you know, kind of cements it for me. But as far as this bowl game for, you know, Alabama versus Cincinnati, um, you know, I, I, I think there's, um, you know, some, some key um, football points there that, um, you know, maybe we need to dig deeper into, but, you know, at the same time, um, I would say as an Alabama fan, uh, you know, especially now that, you know, Nick Saban's made it public, you know, the fact that, that Joe Pendry is working with the offensive line for Alabama, um, as an Alabama fan, you know, that gives me a lot of comfort. I'll sleep a lot better, um, you know, from now until uh, Friday at 2.30. Uh, knowing that that's going on, and I think that's a huge, um, you know, bonus card that, that Nick Saban keeps in his back pocket that he can pull that out uh, whenever he wants to. Um, yeah, that, that's one of the best offensive line coaches 
Um, and, and, you know, you know, in my opinion, you know, when, 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 you know, Coach Saban came to Alabama in, in January of 2008, um, Joe Pendry was the best addition that he made to his coaching staff. And, you know, you saw, you know, Nick Saban and Joe Pendry weed through that, you know, Mike Shula-esque uh, roster that they inherited. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, when you, when, as far as I'm concerned, when, when you, when you weed through that and you see um, in year two, they go to Atlanta and they lose to that Urban Meyer coach football team with Tim Tebow and they lose. And then the next year they, you know, they kind of run the gamut and, and they win the, the SEC, you know, uh, make Tebow cry on the sideline, uh, you know, humiliate, uh, um, you know, Texas in the national championship game. You know, Nick Saban's going to get all the accolades for that whole thing. But at the end of the day, having Joe Pendry on that staff was a much, much bigger deal than most Alabama fans um, really want to know. And I'll say this. Um, one of the best pure football coaches that I've ever seen. I mean, the, the guy's just a magician. Well, that's high praise indeed. And uh, having said that, I think it's fair to be very excited if you are a, if you're an Alabama fan. So, I mean, I know we, we, this has really been talked to death a lot, and it's going to be talked to death even more. But – how do you see you know we we talked about how these teams want to attack you know Cincinnati's a three three five and they've and Cincinnati has a good but not great uh offensive scheme it's fairly it's fairly pedestrian it's, it's efficient not explosive the defense is truly elite but against pretty poor competition so with that being said fish how do you see this game like let's say it's Let's say it's 2.45 next Friday. Both teams have had one drive. Maybe there are five minutes left in the first quarter. What do you see going on between these two teams? I mean, I think it's the battle of, um, you know, uh, Bill O'Brien and, and, you know, Joe Pendry, Doug Marone, whoever you want to, you know, look at. Um, you know, can they pick up those situational blitzes? Um, that the, the, the Cincinnati's going to do, um, you know, the, when I was watching the Houston game, I, I you know, I could see it, um, you know, that they, they kind of run a, you know, a three, five defense. Um, but you know, they, they sneak a guy up there, you know, they, they might bring him one time from the edge. They may bring him the, the you know, the next time, you know, up the a gap, um, the, the, they don't really go wholeheartedly with the Texas A&M, you know, LSU, Auburn blueprint, but they've already got that thing kind of in play. Um, you know, they've got a very athletic, you know, front three, and, you know, they like to sneak a linebacker in there, um, whether it's up the middle or off the edge. Um, you know, I, I think this game comes down to, 
Um, you know, the same guy that just got celebrated with the, you know, the Davey O'Brien Award, the the Heisman Trophy Award. I, I think it comes down to, you know, I, I think the Alabama defense is going to slow down Cincinnati's offense. Maybe they, you know, give up 17 to, you know, 21 points. But, you know, I think it comes down to, you know, once again, um, you know, we've all sat back and watched it happen all year. It's going to come down to, um, you know, who the guys are on Alabama's offense can step up. You saw it a little bit versus Auburn with Ja'Cory Brooks. But I think it's going to come down to, you know, who can step up. You know, uh, Cincinnati's defense has a first-round draft pick at corner. Um, can they bracket, you know, Jameis Williams, um, you know, with the safety and shut him down? It's going to come down to, um, you know, what Bill O'Brien can draw up, um, you know, with the rest of his weapons. And, and those weapons, at least up to this point, you know, are kind of unproven. Not saying it's not going to happen, but there's guys, you know, that, that didn't really play a part in – um, you know, this drive for Alabama to win the West and, you know, win the, the, the Southeastern Conference championship game, especially with John Mechie going out, um, it's going to be, you know, the, I think the difference in the game is going to be who is that next guy going to be? Is it going to be Ja'Cory Brooks? Is it going to be Tershawn Holden? Is it going to be Jaleel Billingsley? Um, I don't know. But, I, you know, I can see a path for this Alabama team if, if you know, a couple of those guys step up to where, um, you know, that they can cover the spread. Well, and I think that is an interesting way to put it. Um, I actually see it slightly differently. I think that I think I think the Cincinnati defense is good enough to do some things that will challenge Alabama, particularly should the Cincinnati defensive front be able to hold up. I think that's really, you know, and we'll see that real quick. If Alabama can do what they did against Ole Miss and just establish a ground game, they'll run them out of the, they'll run them out of the field, off the field, excuse me. But I, I, I haven't seen them shut down a really great rush offense at least not what Alabama is going to be bringing to the table. Now, admittedly, Heisman Trophy winner, blah, blah, blah. But I think the problem is if Cincinnati's offense gets to be inefficient, they're going to get the defense ground down because Alabama's going to keep coming. You know, they're going to keep doing what they've done. And can it work? Probably. Is it going to cause some fans some heartache? Absolutely. But I just overall think that this team, the Cincinnati team, as much as I just sang their praises over the whole notion of it takes a lot of doings to not lose a game outside of a very good Georgia team, that, that's, that there's something there. But this is a beast that Cincinnati is not ready for. And – you know, I think early on, I think you're 100% right. I think there will be some success to be had by Cincinnati against Alabama on both sides of the ball. But it, it, I don't see it. I don't think Des, Desmond Ritter is not good enough 
to beat Alabama on his own. And I don't think Jerome Ford is going to just run Alabama out of the building. So for me, because of how Cincinnati is, and they are what they are, they're not going to be able to consistently do the things they've done against other opponents, and that's going to catch up to them. I just – I understand completely. You have watched more recent film than me, and I respect the heck out of you for that. But I just – I can't – I said last week that I can't figure out some of the statistical weirdness. And the way you end up breaking it down is you look at – you almost have to throw out two-thirds of the Cincinnati schedule. You really can only focus on the couple of good teams that they've played. And against ranked opponents, Cincinnati has – not been good. They've made a, a much higher percentage of their mistakes, like committing turnovers. And that's another thing for fans. Cincinnati is not very good at taking care of the ball. They're, they're really not. And give, Al- give this Alabama offense a couple of short fields. Watch what happens. I promise it will be ugly. Nobody w- – and Cincinnati will have no fun there. So for me, I really look at – I don't think Cincinnati has the they're, – they're not going to be able to hang for four quarters. They're going to compete like hell, and they might surprise folks. And I promise Desmond Ritter is going to do a couple of wild things on third down, even though he hasn't consistently done that. He's good enough to, make, to do some things. So I'm going to – you know, let's just go ahead and give scores, and then we can do a little, more, little bit more Michigan-Georgia because that's fun too. I'm going to go Alabama – 38-24. I think Alabama's – I think it's going to be a comfortable win. There will be points where Alabama fans will want to scream in rage because something – you know, Desmond Ritter does something or Jerome Ford breaks a tackle, et cetera, et cetera, and that will be frustrating. But having said that, Alabama – I just think Alabama's better. I think Alabama really found something – in that slugfest against Auburn, which they followed up with their best game of the year. And I think they're going to keep riding that. I think missing John Mechie is going to cause problems. Alabama's not – their offense is not going to be as good. And if you're you're of the persuasion to watch game film, watch how Georgia changed how they defended the Alabama offense when Mechie got hurt. I mean, the offense bogged down, whether you like it or not. If that kind of thing happens – and it probably will to a certain extent, it could get pretty – it could get kind of eh. It could, could be real, real awkward for Alabama fans for a little while. But for me, William, give me 38-24. I think Alabama is just the better team. And we've said it – we've alluded to it, but I'll just put my – I'll say it directly. Alabama has the best quarterback left in the playoff. And uh, when you have that, you have a chance to win and you have a chance to cover. And I'm perfectly okay with that from an Alabama fan perspective. What's your thought on the score for this game? No, I, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I, I was just trying to provide, you know, some skid marks on, on, on what may happen, you know, to Alabama's, you know, path to victory, um, number one. Number two, um, I don't disagree at all with what your score prediction is. Um you know, I was just trying to provide the fans, you know, with a, you know, a wide window of, of what 
you know, may happen in this game. Uh, you know, number one. Number two, we're going to get into, uh, you know, Georgia-Michigan here in a minute. But, you know, Thomas, I feel much better about this game, um, you know, versus Cincinnati, knowing that, uh, you know, one guy named Joe Pendry is responsible to, you know, the O-line outlook, um, you know, going into the game with, you know, with both Bob O'Brien and, you know, Doug Marone being, uh, you know, COVID protocoled out of it. Um, but number two, um, no, I, I wasn't predicting, you know, doom and gloom, um, you know, for Alabama, um, you know, in this particular matchup. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's a, a deal where, you know, you might see Alabama's offense, you know, or excuse me, their defense, you know, get hard, um, you know, give up plays quick, um, you know, that sort of thing. But I still think that Alabama has enough offensive weapons, um, you know, minus John Mechie, um, you know, with the guys like Ja'Cory Brooks, uh, Treshawn Holden, Jaleel Billingsley, um, you know, it, you know, if the tight end position group can get their, um, you know, gears together uh, with, with Cameron Law too, um, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that I'm. You know that I think they're 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 in trouble. Not at all. Um, if you factor in the 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 line, I'm right there with you. Um, I think Alabama can win this game um, by you know 21 to 27 points. Um, you know if if they can take care of their own business. And, and just to clarify, I wasn't saying, oh, my God, you're taking uh, Cincinnati to win. No, I, I think what you're saying is that there there is a vocal section of the Alabama fan base that thinks Alabama is going to go in and just win by 40. And the early look at the statistics of this game, I would agree. I mean, this is a – this is – honestly, there was no good matchup for Cincinnati given who they were against. Like every every one of the three other teams was really going to cause Cincinnati problems, but the big difference between Alabama and the others is that Alabama has a quarterback that even if you have the perfect defense, it's not perfect enough. And with that, it, it's it's just not it's it's not. I don't think it's going to be you know a forty point blowout. I think it could be anywhere from fourteen to twenty four. You know, you said twenty one to twenty eight. You know, so I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibility. Now, Cincinnati's defense loves to force turnovers. If Bryce Young has a gimme or Brian Robinson has a fumble, a whole different ball game. But that's not been the hallmark of this Alabama team. So, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you down to this fish. What's your score prediction for this game? Um, Alabama 42, uh, Cincinnati uh, 28. 42, 28. That would be. Uh, that would be comfortable. I would take that. And, you know, I, I wouldn't – should Alabama be able to establish Brian Robinson in the running game, they'll be, they can get to 42 in a hurry. Now, they might accelerate the game to not allow that many possessions to, defend, to help the defense, but I, that's not crazy to me. That prediction's not crazy at all. But really, let's talk about the, uh, the other game. And Michigan, Georgia. Uh, 
Uh, I, you were in a bunch of Alabama fan group, fan football chats. I'm in a bunch of Alabama fan football chats. And I'm seeing a growing number of folks just among the people that I speak to saying, I think Michigan's going to beat Georgia. Now, me personally, I don't see it. As bad as the Cincinnati matchup is for Cincinnati against Alabama, I think the far and away worst matchup is how Michigan's offense matches up against Georgia's defense. I mean, I think that's brutal. So I know you have some Michigan ties. We've talked about that on the show before, Fish. How do you see this one, the, the nightcapper, the, the, the chaser to what will be the Alabama fan shot? I mean, you know, I think they legitimately have a chance to beat Georgia. Um, you know, they've won the, the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in college football. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, I think they're going to just steamroll over all over Georgia. But, um, you know, at the same time, I, I, I think they are a – this is not the same Michigan football team that faced uh, Mac Jones and, and Alabama uh, post-2019. Um, you know, I, I think they've got some guys that can spread a defense um, with speed at wide receiver. Um, you know, they've got a, you know, a, a game manager at quarterback that can, you know, distribute the football. Um, but, I think that might be what this game turns into is, you know, who's got the bigger balls, you know, can Georgia run over Michigan or, or can Michigan run over Georgia? You know, let, let's see how that plays out. But I think that this is not your normal Michigan football team. I think this Michigan team is better. I mean, heck, they've won their first Big Ten championship in what feels like forever. <laughs> I saw the number and I, I couldn't believe it. I guess it makes sense because the Trestle, the Jim Trestle, uh, Ohio State, into Urban Meyer, into Ryan Day has been has been uber, has been excellent for the Buckeyes, and so they've really had a stranglehold on it. But I I agree with you. I agree with your notion that who's going to be able to do what they want to do at the line of scrimmage. That's going to decide the game. But where I'm really struggling as a you know, as somebody trying to break down the game, et cetera, et cetera, and look at it is, like I said, the Georgia defense stopping the run is absolutely elite. It is obscenely good. It, it, it's comically good. If not for uh, – if not for a transcendent Wisconsin defense, this Georgia defense would be insane. Now, at, by the same token, if you take the fa- if you factor out the Florida game from Alabama statistics, Lordy mercy, buckle up because it's unbelievable. But even having said that, I think Georgia's defense is going to cause Michigan no end of trouble. Now, I don't think Georgia's going to be able to do an absolute ton against the Michigan defense because Aiden Hutchinson and 
Dave, I think it's David Ajabo, are legit ends that do a lot of good things for that defense. But just overall, I think it's going to be a similar story to what we're going to see against when Cincinnati plays Alabama. The Georgia defensive front is good enough to make Michigan an offense, an efficiency-based offensive attack into an inefficient offensive attack, and they're not going to be able to mash. They're not going to be able to mash Georgia, and Georgia will eventually be able to break through. I don't think Michigan's defense, particularly rush, rush defense, is in the same league as what Alabama's is. And Alabama was really able to hamstring Georgia. So for me, just overall, I think Alabama's staring directly in the face of an SEC championship game rematch. And somebody sent me a statistic where Georgia would still be favored by one point by Las Vegas in, an, in a theoretical rematch with Alabama. I'm not quite that far yet. We're not going to break down that game because something I believe I said last week, I've said every time I've brought up the matchup, Michigan and Georgia are going to beat the hell out of each other. I mean, it is going to be a you stand in one side, you stand in the other side. We're going to keep punching each other in the face until either my hand falls off or your face falls off. So I look at it very much so like no matter what, it's great for Alabama. But I have Georgia winning. I don't. I think Michigan's going to make it interesting. I'll give them a lot of credit for that. But I don't think they're going to be good enough to last four quarters. I think Georgia's going to lean on them, lean on them, lean on them, and then eventually something's going to break loose. And that's really what Georgia's done throughout the year in many cases. Lean on a team, lean on a team, lean on a team, and then they have like five-minute point explosions. They did it to Florida. They did it to Arkansas. Now, of course, Arkansas was just kind of a, a just going gangbusters from the jump. So I, I really, if I'm a Michigan fan, I'm excited to make the playoff, but I don't think you expect to win this one. So I haven't even looked at the line in this game. I've got to be honest, Fish. This one feels like a, like a 21-10 or a 21-14 or a 24-17 kind of game. Can you toss out a score prediction for this one? Do you have any further thoughts? On, on Georgia, uh, yeah, Georgia, Georgia, Michigan. Yeah, just making our pick so we can get on out of here. Um, uh, twenty-eight to twenty-one, Michigan. Well, somebody's going to be eating crow. I'll take mine with hot sauce. And you know, speaking of hot sauce, one of my Christmas presents from my mom was Carolina Reaper almonds. Oh my God, those things are nuclear powered. So uh, if you like spicy stuff, give those a try. But anyway, Fish, so 28-21 Michigan, and you've got 42-28 Alabama over Cincinnati. I'll be honest, I would, I would watch an Alabama-Michigan national title game. I think that one would be completely in favor of Alabama. I, I really I, – I, Michigan wants no part of what the Alabama offense would bring to the table. But we'll see. And just for, for fairness, I've got Alabama 38-24. And give me Georgia uh, 24-17. I, I, you know, that that's just reeks old school. But yes. uh, it, it just like if, if you are an – I've said this before. If you are a fan that just wants to sit around and essentially three yards in a cloud of dust, well, congratulations. That's going to be your, uh, your New Year's nightcapper because all it's going to be is three yards in a cloud of dust. 
where a bunch of big dudes huh. run into each other for a long time. And the, the, the Georgia tight end will be the, the, the X factor, if you ask me. But we'll see. That's why they play the games. Well, Fish, I want to appreciate you coming on. That uh, say Show my appreciation words. They are difficult. For coming on with me tonight, I realize Drew's not, you know, Drew's traveling, Drew's handling some stuff, but uh, it was great to talk football with you tonight. And uh, you have Alabama, Michigan. I have Alabama, Georgia. We'll see how it goes. But that's it for this episode of BAMS Radio. We actually won't have a show before the new year. So I'll, I'll shake my finger at you young whippersnapper listeners and say have a – Wonderful and safe New Year. Probably celebrating a big Bama win. Um, try not to burn too many things down. We don't really do that in the fan base, so let's, let's keep it under wraps. But thank you all for listening to this episode. It's always a pleasure. And we'll be back next year <laughs> with more Alabama football. Good night and roll tide.